0: Are listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California? You will hear fervent, old fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, there are only so many things that a poet can stand when he's an old country Baptist preacher. And when folks go to bragging on you, frankly, I get embarrassed and uh, I like it, (laughs) but it troubles me. I'm not deserving of it. I know it, but I thank the Lord for you folks and for your kindness. Pastor, you're one of the greatest men I know anything about. I said that before coming here, but I'll say it now after what you said. I've almost got to say it. I'm kidding him now. But what a joy to be here. What a great, wonderful church. And what a meeting you're having now. You've had great services already and you have more coming. And tomorrow night will be another great hour. The Lord willing, I speak in the morning, I believe, do I not? And then I want to stay over for tomorrow night and hear Brother Jack. I've known him before he began preaching. And, uh, We'll have a great time, and then I'll leave out on Friday morning. I spoke last Sunday in Graniteville, South Carolina. Now that's a big town, Graniteville. And uh, Wednesday and Tuesday night, I spoke at Sand Mountain, Georgia. That's up on the hills outside of Chattanooga, about 25 miles. And then uh, with you tonight and in the morning, then on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I was in in San Antonio for a church there, and then on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, in beeville texas uh, that's a town beeville i've never been there but that'll leave for three days next week the lord willing i'll leave there and go to uh to uh, uh to ontario canada and speak there for three days and then i keep on going but i just mention that by the way but it's a joy to be here with you and this is a great occasion i'm not worthy of any of it But I want to thank you from all of my heart for your kindness and for what you're doing. God bless you. I'm not going to take too long. I want Brother David to be up here a little while, and I want you to hear his message because I know this man. I know what he says, what he does. Hope you go by and check the books. I have tried to sell books all my life. I've given away. They work better that way, but uh, I just can't always do it. I have a book called The Faith That Moves Mountains, published by The Sword of the Lord, and Dr. John R. Rice read the the transcript on this before publication and said he wanted to put it in book form and did so and he worked out different things about it and he sold it for nine ninety-five in the sword of the Lord. I sold it for $5.00 it's my book I can do what I want to <laughs> and uh, so you can get that and then I have a new book and this published by the sword of the Lord too the man in cell number one. Now you'd like to know who that is, but you had to read the book to find out. The Man in the Cell Number One, published by The Sword of the Lord. And then a little book on The Key to Victoria's Living that I think you'll enjoy very, very much and they're on the table in the book room and I hope that you'll get them and just a few there. And may I say what a joy to be here, I'm glad my wife could be here tonight and we didn't know about any of this and she came with me because when you get to be senior citizens you ride for a whole lot less. And, uh, <laughs> And that's right, and so I can go anywhere I want to for $124 from Chattanooga to California, from California home, but every time I stop and stop to preach somewhere, I have to pay another $124, but uh, she's along with me, and we enjoy being here with you and all of you, and God bless you. And uh, better to say that I'm 83, I'll be 84 in November, and uh, that's a long time to be here. But I thank the Lord for it. I give my age now in meetings. For a while I didn't do it, but I do now. Two little boys sitting on the front row one night, and I'm up on the platform, and they were talking about me. One boy said, I know his age. The other kid said, you don't know him. I said, yes, I do, too. I got up about that time. That son, you know me? I said, yes, sir. I didn't stand up there. And he stood up." And nice looking kid. Intelligent looking boy. Smart looking boy. I said, son, you sure you know me said, Yes, sir. I know you. That go around, turn around and tell the people. I thought I was going to get something good out of that kid. He looked good and smart to me. But I turned around. You know, he said 91. <laughs> now, I didn't use that kid again for anything. I marked him off the book right there. But what a joy to be with you. Well, I have one little story, and then I'll get on with my sermon for tonight. And I uh, heard about the lady who was sitting in a funeral service and uh, listening to the preacher. And all of a sudden, she listened, she remembered the roast she left in the oven. She said, if he doesn't stop soon, it's going to burn up. I forgot about it. And she was worried about the whole thing. And she sat there, and and he kept on going. But after a while, he quit. And when he got through, she rushed out and got in the car and said, I'm going to get home and take that roast out of the oven. And uh, she got ready to go, but then she discovered she couldn't go. There were cars in front of her and back on either side of her, going out to the procession to the cemetery. And uh, she couldn't get out. I said, well, I can't do a thing about it now. I'll just have to stay in the line. And when will get out to a certain place, I'm going to pull out of there and get home and get that roast out of the oven and said I know what I can do I'll just follow on I'll get out as soon as I can so they left they made a procession going toward the cemetery and drove on and after a while she looked up ahead and saw a big Walmart do you have Walmart's out here Walmart yeah go ahead uh a big Walmart and she said that's the place and when she got there she turned into the Walmart all the way across the parking lot to stop on the other side he stopped well I got out of that now I get back home and get that roast out of the oven and uh, she said all of a sudden there came a knock on the window and she looked out there stood a great big fat policeman he said ma'am lower your window she lowered the window he said lady what are you doing and she said I don't know what you mean he said lady what in the world do you mean well look what you've done she said what do you mean he said look back there she looked out the window the whole funeral had followed her in the Walmart <laughs> now that's uh, that's the end of the story so I'll not give any more tonight what uh, will well, be enough? Open your Bibles now to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now I'll repeat some thoughts tonight. I'm doing so intentionally. My first time to give this outline here, but maybe in other places. But I want you to think with me. In Philippians 4, verse, verse 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are, are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now hold that in your mind. Let me go back to a verse that you know so well. In Romans 1 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now hold that in mind, if you will, please, the scripture I've given you for tonight. Now these are the words of the amazing Apostle Paul amazing, wonderful man, greatly used of God, and preaching to people everywhere of all kinds. But when you read this, you you find out something. When you read these words in Philippians 4, you'll learn something. You'll learn something about yourself and about what you want to be. And this is good for the businessman, for the farmer, for the preacher, for the lawyer, for all of us. And we find something that we can get out of this that will help each and every one of us. Now, Paul talks every, touched every bit of life, all of life, and uh, we have to do that in your church here. You have all kinds of folks and you're touching all of life Sunday after Sunday. And men and women of every station in life of every kind of job, every kind of home, every kind of background and that's our business. Now there are some things I want you to think about tonight. Number one, write it down please. I want you to think about the power of the mind. The power of the mind. In Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, your mind. You see, the mind has great power to bless you or or disturb you, your mind. And the call of God here is to think upon these things that will strengthen your mind. Now, keep in mind, you can only have one thought at a time, just one. You can't have two, only one. When one is out another takes its place and you can have just one thought at a time if you think on the unholy and the dirty and the vulgar and the trashy then that whole thing fills your life and you got to keep it out and you got to say I want want to control my mind I want to think as God wants me to think but uh, the world today is full of evil radio television Magazines, newspapers, all of it, day by day, day uh, by forcing and pushing the evil things upon your minds and hearts. And you've got to guard carefully and guard your mind, keep your mind uh, consecrated to God, and keep your mind ready to hear from God and hear from heaven and to think upon holy things and good things. The conversation of the average man is quite evil. And the words that are beyond our, uh, our listening, we do not want to have them at all in our makeup. Now, he said, think on these things, the true, the honest, the just, the pure, the lovely, the good report, the virtue, the praise, and think of it. Now, when you do that, here's the result. And the peace of God shall be with you. The peace of God, when you fill your mind, your heart with the right thing. Now, what I say, guard your mind. Guard your mind. Make sure that you're thinking right at all times at all times, and guard your mind. Spurgeon said, uh, beware of no one more than your own self. We carry our worst enemies within us, and guard your mind. See, this is very practical, but guard your mind. Guard your mind in the lonely hours. There come times of loneliness. We've all had it. When you feel like, what can I do? And you feel like you've been deserted by people around you. And you stand alone. It's time to guard your mind. Be right. Don't uh, resort to self-pity. Don't turn away from God. Then uh, guard your mind in the busy hours. When you're so busy you don't have time to think and things are rushing upon you. Then beware lest you forget the Lord, huh? Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. Beware. Again, uh, guard your mind in the dark hours. The hours of defeat when things are going wrong, when you feel like you've failed, and what can you do? Guard your mind and keep looking up toward God all of the time. And one with God is the majority. Now again, guard against the successful hours when you've had a good success and God's been good to you and has will bless your life and your ministry or your work, whatever it may be, and you guard yourself in that day of success because in that day you can slip away and be uh, and engage in things that are not, uh, not uh, uh, proper for the child of God and you want to be right in the sight of God all the time. So guard your mind. Then again, think positively. Uh, Avoid the evil and oppressive and uh, fill your thoughts with uh, things that come from the Word of God. And from your prayer life. And from your devotion to, to the blessed Savior. And don't fill your mind with a negative. Don't think in selfish ways and defeat. But think unselfishly. Think of the needs of others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others. That I may live like thee. And living for Him, today. Then think courageously. If God be for you. If God be for you. Who can be against you? And you keep on moving down the line. And trusting God. And serving God. Every step of the way. Now. We've all had our fears. I had many fears when I to Camp Joy. I wasn't sure what would happen, but I felt led of God to start to work for children. And God gave me 100 acres of land at Lake Chickamauga and we began began the property and kept going all of these years and we've taken 3,000 per year free of charge and thousands have been saved, many hundreds of preachers and missionaries around the world who were saved at Camp Joy. But you see, uh, I had a little fear, a little trouble, a little worry. I have trouble in the same way about, about Tennessee Temple when it began that in 1946. I thought to myself, "What, what is, what is this? Is this of God? If You're guiding me, I'm for it. I want to do it." And He led me. This is the thing I want you to do, and I did it. So, and we've kept on going to this present time in training young men, young women for the service of Christ. Now, hear the word of Paul. And he's telling you to think and bring your mind to one accord of one mind in Philippians 2 and verse, uh, verse 2. And in lowliness of mind, in verse 3, the word mind occurs. In verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think on Christ. Think holy thoughts and set your heart upon him. Now, the power of the mind Now you watch yourself, guard yourself, make sure that you're thinking clearly at all times. Watch out for selfishness, watch out for jealousy, watch out for thoughts that are not in accord with the will of God. And you say, oh God, I want to be right. The power of the mind. Number two, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power Acts 1 8 but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and Ephesians 5 18 and be not drunk with wine where he says but be filled with the spirit uh, the power of the Holy Spirit now we know that he wants to fill us we have him when we're saved he comes in he's there now 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 let him have you uh, you have all of him but does he have all of you big difference and let the Holy Spirit have full control of your life. Let him guide you. Let him make you a victorious Christian. In a day when there's so many Christians failing, so many giving up, so many turning aside, you say, no, I'm trusting God, I'm going ahead. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means you be empty of yourself and ready for God to bless you and use you. I wonder why there's so many Christians failing. Why? Why are so many churches fail? Uh, why do some outstanding men also fail? Men who are prominent in, in their pulpits and in television, radio, and different places. And yet we, f- uh, we read of their failures. And I get to quote some names to you now that you, all of you know about. What what happened? The, the simple thing is this. These men have not followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know His power within them. And they turned away. Now you let the Holy Spirit guide you. The Holy Spirit should be in control of your life all of the time. Now... How are we filled with the Spirit of God? Number one, we're filled when we're empty, empty of self. Get self out of the way and say, oh God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hatred, selfishness, jealousy, envy, all things must go out and confess to God your need. And then say, dear Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, the fullness comes by willingness. When you're willing to do what God says, what God says, you want to do it. And when God directs your life, you're to go God's way. And to say, this is it. I wanna do what God says in my life. And when you're willing to follow the Lord and do exactly what He said. A riding on a plane going from Atlanta to Charlotte on a Delta airliner. And uh, sitting in my place studying and I had my Bible out and reading, reading some notes across the aisle from me said a man and a stranger to me and he kept looking over uh, at me and after a while I left his place and came across the aisle and said I'm beside him. He said uh, are you a preacher sir? Yes I am. He said I want to ask you a question. He said something wrong in my life. I'm saved but he said I'm not right. He said, uh, I don't have what I need, and I, I'm failing in many ways, and I can see that. And I said, what about your family? Well, my wife's a Christian. I have two sons. They're Christians. And he told his story. And he said, uh, he said I'm not willing. There's uh, something wrong. I'm not getting through to God like I want to. And he kept on talking about the matter. And uh, finally, I said, uh, I think I, I can help you. But I said before, tell me what you do now. Man, about 45 years of age. He said, I'm a doctor. I'm a surgeon. And then he said, without my asking, I've made it up, to live for years, never, never work again. I've been highly paid in my profession. But he said, there was something wrong. I don't know what did. And uh, I kept digging around. And I discovered that he was unwilling to do what God wanted him to do. Unwilling, unwilling. And I uh, took my Bible, and began to show him what would happen if he went on that way. But what would happen if he turned everything over to God and said, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to go your way. And he kept on saying, all of a sudden, he reached over and grabbed my hand and said, Preacher of God. He said, I know now what the will of God is for my life. I believe I know. And he said, I'll do what God said. I said, that's wonderful. I held him in the hand. I said, you know what this means? This means that you'll say what God wants you to say. This means you'll go where God wants you to go. This means you'll be what God wants you to be. He said, you're right about all of it. Then I don't know why I said this. I don't know why, but I did. I said, This means, sir, that if God would say to you, sell your medical practice here, your office equipment, everything you've got, and give it all up and go to Africa and be a medical missionary on the African field among the people there, you'd go. When I said that, he jerked his hand on him. I said, No, sir, wouldn't do that. He said, No, I have no interest in missions at all. He said, uh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not concerned about missions. And he said, that doesn't interest me at all. But I said, sir, I didn't say God's going to ask you to do it. But I said, if he should ask you to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. I'll do anything you say. He said, no, sir, I wouldn't do that. I reasoned with the man all the way to Charlotte, got out of the plane. We walked inside the lobby and I stood there reasoning with him and trying to show this doctor, apparently a very brilliant man and a good man in so many ways. I said, sir, you need to be willing. You've got something in your heart that's holding out on God. You're not willing to do what God says. And you can't make it otherwise. And he said, I just don't see it, sir. I don't understand that at all. And turned away from me, waving his hand over his head and shaking his head and moved on down the, down the aisle. Now, wait a minute. In your life, my dear friend, you've got to say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to do your will. I pastored Holland Highland Park 40 years and six months. One church had a delightful time. Oh, my, I enjoyed every bit of it. But there came a place when God said to me, I want you to resign and retire from that work. I have something else for you to do. I didn't know what it was. had no idea what it would be. And uh, so I gave them my retirement, I said on a certain date I'll be through, I'll finish up. They reasoned with me and offered me different things, but I said no, this is it. And when I, when I retired and preached my last sermon to the church, I still was not sure of the next step. But as soon as I did so, God began sending invitations from all over the nation, everywhere, everywhere. And now I preach in more than 1,200, 1,500 churches and all. I don't have the exact number in these years. And week after week, week after week, in different places, I go and preach and and, uh, give the story of Christ and win the souls and see things happen for the glory of God. Now, uh, I didn't understand all of that, but but I did what God said. Now, I'm saying in your life, you let God have His way. And let the Holy Spirit control your life and direct your life and make you to be what He wants you to be. Now, the fullness will come when you give up these things. And He'll give you joy and peace and satisfaction and courage for all of it. If you simply say, Lord, I commit myself to You, I want Your will to be done. And the fullness of the Spirit will bring power in witnessing. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, then you can witness the lost souls and tell them of Jesus and born them to the loving Savior. Oh, what power. When the Holy Spirit takes over, let him take over in your individual life. Let him take over in your home. Let him take over in your business. Let him take over in your church. Let him take over in that Sunday school class uh, among young people. Uh, Among adults, whatever it is, but say, oh, Holy Spirit, control me and take over. You're in me. I want you to have full control of my life, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine, and what great and marvelous things will happen when he takes over and has full control. I'm preaching in a church in the state of Florida, a beautiful big church, a lovely building, and about 75 folks there Monday night. About 75 more Tuesday night. I said, Pastor, I'm not doing any good. We're not having the people to come. And uh, I said, I better go home. Maybe come, maybe come back another time and help you out. He said, No. He said, Stay a couple more days if you will. And uh, then he said, and he said, You know what's wrong, don't you? I said, I'm unsure. He said, Well, Mr. Roberts has a tent over here, four blocks away. It seats about 14,000 people. I saw it later. It was, it was a big one. And he said, "My people are going over there. They're going over there and watching that tent, the healing line, and so forth. And they're in that and not coming to church." I said, "Well, I might as well go home." He said, "No, let's try two more days." So we went on Thursday, riding down the street of that city in his car. He was driving. He said, "Don't look down, but over on my left, you'll see a man who's causing the most of the trouble in our church." He said, he's a devil. He's a mean one. He's a rascal. And I looked over there, saw a tall fellow with, uh, with rather reddish hair walking down the sidewalk. I said, You mean that man? He said, He's one of them. He said, I said, How many more you got? He said, Three more. I said, What are these men? They're four my deacons. He said, Four well, of the meanest men ever lived. And that preacher tore into them. He, he called them names. And uh, he wasn't nice at all. And he said some mean things. And I discovered then why we didn't have revival. I can see then why the revival was the church is dead and there was no revival fire burning at all. Uh, the hearts of men were wrong. And I can see that. I preached, and I preached on Friday night on being filled with the Holy Spirit and surrendering everything and saying, dear Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to know the power of God upon my life. And I preached with all of my uh, soul and gave an invitation. And one man walked down the aisle and melted the table right in the front. And uh, I, we kept on singing. Another man came, another came. Then the four of them were down there. And I said, there must be the four deacons. There are the four. I'm pretty sure of that. And they were praying out aloud in a church where that wasn't done very much. And they were crying out saying, Oh God forgive us, we're ruining a church. We've heard a pastor. And they were crying out. And I turned around, the preacher was standing on one side holding the Bible in his arm. And I said, Pastor, I think you better go join them. He said, no, sir, I'm not going down there. I said, let the devil stay there. I said, those fellows have been mean. They're rascals. He said, they about kill me. I'm not going. Down. I said, sir, either you go or I'm going home. Now make it be mine. I walked back to the pulpit. In a few moments heard a rustling sound. I saw the preacher as he walked down the steps and dropped his Bible on the front row and got up back at these four men and stood there for a moment. Then put up two great big arms and stood there, big tall man, and came down flat on his knees and one arm around two men here and one arm around two men on that side and began to cry to God for forgiveness. And they were all praying and crying and the audience stopped singing. They were crying too. And you see you can't fool a church. They know what's wrong, don't they? They know when something's wrong, they know. And they, they knew that was wrong. And they could see something was wrong. And they cried and prayed for a long time. Then I finally uh, reached over and said, would you like to stand up and say a word? And they stood up and they were wiping the tears away. One said, I'm to blame, I'm to blame. Another tried to say, I'm no, I'm no blame. And the priest, a, a preacher finally stopped them all and said, gentlemen, I'm the one to blame. I'm your pastor. I failed you completely. And they were all confessing. And they said, come and shake hands. They came and shook hands until about 1030 at night and uh, crying and rejoicing and going on. Uh, you it an ordinary thing? No, no it wasn't. I preached on Saturday night to a crowd maybe twice the size and one got saved. I went back to my motel room in that town and spent the night on Saturday night and came back to the church the Sunday morning in my car and I'd been uh, parking the car right in front of the church door. Been way to there so I could park anywhere I wanted to. And uh, I come, came up and couldn't find a parking place. I drove two blocks to find one two blocks away. I had to uh, park my car and walk back to the church. I walked up the steps and when I walked up the steps on the top uh, step and up, up the open a uh, building there stood two policemen there. And uh, I didn't say anything. I walked up and took up the door to walk, go inside. One grabbed my hand and said, you're not going in? I said, sir, I want to go in. I said, I'm the preacher. Oh, he said, excuse me. He said, we're stopping everybody from going in because that building is packed and jammed and there are children sitting on the floor and the choir is full and the balcony is full of everything and the, the fire department is sending us out here to stop it because the crowd is too big. And I said, Well, uh, just let me go inside. I walked inside and down through the, uh, the aisle and came up the front. There stood the preacher on the platform and the audience out before him, a great crowd of people. And he had his Bible in hand and standard tears trickling down his face and off his chin. And uh, when I walked up, he turned to me and said, Brother Robertson, you preach. He said, I can't. And he handed me his Bible. And I took the Bible, walked up there and preached the sermon that morning and gave an invitation. 137 people accepted Christ in that one hour. Wait a minute. And it went on that night the same way. I I said, Pastor, start baptizing converts Monday night. He baptized 150 converts Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Before we closed on Thursday, there were 242 people saved in that one meeting in just a, a local Baptist church. Wait a minute. I'm showing something. When the Holy Spirit takes over, When he's in control, then things happen. And we're to say, oh God, we want the Holy Spirit to give his power to us. And through us to work to win people to Christ and to change our churches and make our Sunday school what they ought to be. And our youth programs and the choir and all of it to be touched with the power of God. All right, I've touched two things, the power of the mind, the power of the spirit. Number three, the power of a holy purpose. The power of a holy purpose. Now follow carefully. Paul was saved And Paul was called of God, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Paul preached, and he said, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do. Now Paul was a workman and needed not to be ashamed. Now God has a purpose for your life, no matter who you are. He has a purpose for you. Are you in the purpose of God? You see, you're somebody. There's no one in the world like you. There are over five billion people in the world, no two alike anywhere. Tie that one down. No two alike anywhere. Isn't that something? And God knows you. God loves you. Are you in the will of God? Are you doing what God says with your life? You see, so many people are just drifting along, shuffling their feet, never getting anywhere at all. But God has a purpose for you, a definite purpose, and you are distinctive, and you are to be used of God, every one of you, to say, oh God, use me for the winning of souls and doing the will of God in my life. You may be humble, you may be poor financially, you may have the straightened circumstances that are troubling you, but you trust God and have faith in Him and say, dear Lord, take me and use it. God has a purpose for your life and there is something about the power of a holy purpose and when you surrender yourself completely to him to say Lord take over I give myself to thee I surrender all I have to you I want you to have my life the power of a holy purpose oh God give us that too many folks are shifting along not going anywhere they have no destination they uh, even though they're saved they still accomplish anything for God And they're just shifting along without any definite drive that sends them out to do something worthwhile for God. And let God get hold of your life. And say, oh God, I've got a holy purpose in my life. Reveal to me what I should do. Preach, teach, be a missionary, uh, be a preacher, whatever it may be. Uh, But say, oh God, I want your will to be done in my life. And let God direct you and let God have his way with you. Surrendered to the will of God. completely the power of a holy purpose. The power of a divine destination work for your life. To say, oh God, I surrender of all. I want your will to be done. I'll make that complete surrender to do the will of God. Amen. You've got a man coming on tomorrow night. I don't usually say this, but Dr. Howes is coming to speak tomorrow night. And uh, you'll be here, I know. And many others will be here. As many as you can get in the building, I'm sure. And, uh, but you'll hear him. But I happen to know something. I know him out in Texas. And uh, I've known him and loved him for these many, many years. And uh, uh, when he took the church in Chicago at Hammond I was holding a meeting near the city of Hammond in a, in a church and I decided to go over and see him and have lunch with him. And so I drove over to the church and he was in his office. We talked for a little while and then he said let's go get a bite to eat. Now That meant go to McDonald's. And uh, I said all right and we came out the door. We walked out the door. When he stepped on the sidewalk outside the First Baptist Church, the old First Baptist, and I, I've been to that building and preached many times. And when he stepped on the sidewalk, two ladies came up and met him, and they were angry, very, very angry. They said, "Sir, we want to talk with you right now." And he said, "Brother Robert, would you excuse me? I'll talk to the ladies." And so they left me on the sidewalk and they went inside, and they stayed quite a while. And after a while, he came out the door and he was solemn, and. Uh, he said, uh, Brother Robertson, maybe I made a mistake. Hmm? Maybe I made a mistake. Uh, maybe I blown maybe out in Texas. He said, maybe I'm going to cut out this up here. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, he said, we put on a Sunday school contest when I got here with a Miller Road church in Garland. In, in, uh, and we had a big banner up there over the, over the pulpit and the, over the choir, a big banner. And on one side we had the Miller Road Baptist Church on this, on this side with a Confederate flag. And on this side had the First Baptist Church of Hammond with an American flag. And the lady said, they want that flag taken down. They want the flags down. They want the banner down. They don't want any contests. They don't want any Sunday school drive. They don't want anything. And he said, maybe I'm just, I'm not called to this place. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong. And I looked at him. We used to on the side, walked outside the church. And I said, in a very simple way, I said, uh, Brother Jack, did God send you up here? He said, yes, he did. Did you feel called of God? He said, yes, I did. Then he said, God doesn't change. If he called you, he called you. You're to be here. He said, you're right, sir. And we walked away. And he stayed all of his years. And look at what happened. huh? The greatness of the church and the school and all of it. The missionary program. All of them, new things are coming on that right away. Also, now wait a minute. You commit yourself to the Lord. And there's a power and a holy purpose for your life. Say, Lord, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to give to you and to your cause and to your work. I surrender myself to you. Let God have his way with you. Uh, turn it all over to him. The power of your mind. The power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of a great divine purpose for your life. Let God have it. Let God direct you. Don't get away from God. Let me say a word to young people. When God calls you, you determine That you'll do what God says. I was preaching down in Florida. And a young man at the end of one of the services came to me and said, Brother Robertson, you've known me a long time. And he said, I want to show you something. So he wrote me outside and we got in his car, a beautiful, big, new Cadillac. And uh, got in and rode a while. He came to a, a lovely big lake in Florida, many of them there, and he stopped his car and said, Come with me. Walked down to the edge, at the edge of the lake, was uh, tied there to the dock, a uh, very beautiful big boat. I don't know what the cost to be, many thousands of dollars, big thing, great big boat, and big and new and shiny. And he said, Get in. So I got in, and he took off. And uh, that's my last boat ride. I decided to never ride one again. And uh, I, he went, went at high speed and kept on going around and around and circling and doing uh, different tricks with it. And finally, brought me in and said, What do you think about it? I said, Well, you can have it. But I said, uh, That wouldn't be for me at all. Well, he said, uh, Just wanted you to see it. He said, That car up there is paid for. This boat's paid for. He said, My home, we've got a beautiful home, five. Lovely bathrooms, everything. He said, lovely home. And it's all paid for. And he went on talking. He said, I'm just back from Spain. I went over on a little trip to see the country. I'm going to another foreign country. I've got the money. I've got plenty of money. I want to have a good time and see these countries, see how they live, and on and on. He, he talked on. After a while, he stopped. I said, son, wait a minute. I recall the day when you were a student in Tennessee Temple University. And you walked down the aisle in a service. And you said to me, Dr. Robertson, God has called me to preach the gospel. And I said, God bless you, sir. We'll pray for you. I'm happy for you. He said, I know God called me. I said, did God call you? He looked very sober and said, yes, he did. He did call me. Then he said, what about the Cadillac and the boat and the trips and the car and the house and everything? He said, well, he said, uh, I thought I'd enjoy the money. I make make big money. I made big money in my investments. And he said, I like it. He said, someday I may preach. I said, no, no, you don't do it that way. If you want the peace of God, you obey God now and do what God says now, today, and say, dear Lord, take me and use me for your glory. Maybe there's so many here tonight a little wishy-washy. You're not quite certain in your way, and you're not sure. You let God direct your life and say to the Lord, I'll do exactly what you say for all of the days of my life. Now we've touched the matter tonight. May God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, have your way now with all of us. May we see the power of the mind, keep our minds clean, right in the sight of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, filled for His use for His glory, the power of a holy purpose, to serve Thee, to live for Thee, to do what God commands us to do. Father, have Your way now with everyone here tonight. Speak to every heart, we pray in this moment. Have Your own way with us. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.